0: the OzBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance well hello hello it's the 27th of October this is the COB the stuff you need to know about the day in finance markets uh, economics the macro scene startups you name it we've got it I'm Nadine Blaney and uh, my partner in crime David Scott
1: pleasure to be back
0: It is, isn't it? On a day, well, we saw the market uh, have a little bit of a stumble, so it did close into positive territory. I don't want to take anything away from it, but when I was last on air, you know, pre-11 o'clock, things were looking pretty sweet, and there was a bit of volatility around 11.30, so what do you make of it all?
1: Yeah, uh, inflation is hotter than expected here in Australia, so we're not uh, immune to what's going on in the rest of the world, and a bit of a surprise, and uh, very... Interesting to see their uh, reaction in the rates market getting very twitchy about the prospect for rate hikes next year. Now, that's very different to what the RBA has been uh, speaking recently of 2024 at the earliest. So there's a bit of a divergence in opinion there and how that gets resolved is going to be interesting. But mm. one thing we know, looking at what's going on with bond yields across the Australian curve, is the cost of money is getting more expensive, which doesn't necessarily go and work all that well for stocks once it gets too expensive.
0: Too expensive, but... Do you think the markets, in uh, inverted commas, might be getting a little bit ahead of themselves, talking about 2022?
1: I think so. I think there's still a lot of uh, uncertainties out there, particularly around the virus, particularly around the actions of China, uh, how the Northern Hemisphere winter. That's something I've been talking about for a while since I got back. Uh, certainly, I don't think that's resolved anyway, uh, and we won't know that uh, know how that looks until at least another couple of months. So, uh, very premature in my book, but uh, everyone's free to their own opinion. Uh, it's been a long time between drinks, though, when it comes to rate hikes in Australia. So, uh, I'm very reluctant to go and say that I'm wrong right at this point. I think that's still going to be a lot longer than what we're currently anticipating.
0: Agreed. And so, um, if we leave that to one side just for now, uh, you said about China in there, and I just think it's really interesting that today A2 Milk admitted that uh, China is no longer prioritizing international brands. It expects reduced profitability as that China market fundamentally changes. So it held an Investor Day presentation today, share price down close to 12%. I mean, this is a company that was already in a downgrade cycle. Got a bit of a boost, I think it was last week or the week before when Bub said that it was doing well in China, that it was seeing demand return, but totally different story for A2 Milk. But... But I just think that it does not bode well for not just consumer exports to China. So I'm thinking moors and the like. I should actually check on that share price as well. But I'm also thinking, uh, you know, students coming into Australia. Apparently Chinese students and the levels um, of them looking to come to Canada or <laughs> Australia. Sorry, back to Australia. I'm thinking they could go to Canada. Um, it is low. And that is a big problem.
1: Yeah. China's going to be a big problem. Uh, I think that's probably what we've got to come and get used to and get to grips with. Uh, look what's going on domestically there. I, I know there's a lot of people who are very optimistic about uh, no, Chinese equity market and companies, but uh, common prosperity, that means that if you're too successful, you get targeted. And as an investor, why would you want to be investing in that marketplace, no matter how big potentially it is? You're looking to go and be a mediocre, me, investing in mediocre uh, companies. I'm not sure that's you no know, really what you want to be striving for. And you look across other parts. You're right. There's a lot of threats that are going on there uh, that uh, cannot be taken for granted when it comes to uh, continued Chinese demand. So it's going to be a pretty rocky ride over the next little bit. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised that uh, now we're seeing some pretty savage reactions because. Trying to replace that market with others is very difficult.
0: Yeah, looking to diversify good old A2 Milk, but um, there's a lot of competition out there. All right, now, um, when it comes to China, I think that the property tax conversation, I wasn't on air yesterday, so I didn't get to really hash it out with a lot of guests, but I think that's very interesting as well when you look at China, looking to cool that property market, Um, also giving municipalities there apparently uh, some avenues for revenues, So, we're watching that space because it does have a knock-on effect toward Australia as well. Interesting though, if you look at the commodities complex, I didn't watch coal today. Did you? Of course you did. Tell me about it.
1: Well, I can tell you that it opened up and it didn't thud. And really? then that was it. It died, limit down in China. So, uh, so we've got thermal coal, we had uh, coke, we had coke and coal, all limit down. Uh, so, basically, the only thing that stopped them from falling further is that the, uh, the contract specifications... Don't allow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the thermal coal. Like, <laughs> this is the state taking action to go and take heat out of the market and saying we're going to go and come up with mechanisms and common prosperity. Here it is again uh, to go and uh, make sure there's no price gouging, not real exceeding, uh, profiteering going on. Uh, and that contract has fallen around about forty-two percent in about a week. Now it's still up where it was you know, only sort of four months ago. But it just shows you how rapidly things are changing, and how quickly the goalposts can be changed in that country. Uh, iron ore was getting hammered; uh, it's had a bit of a bounce in when I last looked, but uh, still down for the session. Steel futures also off. So it's Evergrande, it's you know it's housing demand, it's steel production. Uh, it all looks a bit uh, sickly for the time being.
0: Sickly is the way to describe the material space today as well. Down by one point, well one point two percent. Let's call it that. But we spoke with John Noonan from Thomson Reuters. He is a charts man. He loves them. We love him. And he says that BHP is a buy on the charts. So he's saying that a break above the 50-day moving average would add confidence that a bottom is in place. You can listen to that via the show notes. That's uh, the trade from today. Uh, Look, we had a pretty good wrap of the session as well as a buy-hold-sell with Jeremy Hook from TMS Capital. And you can access that by the show notes as well and um, in my whole a2 milk discussion we should have actually done the stock of the day because that was it andrew page from strawman michael wade from medallion financial let's listen in
1: company's going i think this is their fourth maybe even their fifth downgrade in like 18 months or so um ideally i think you want to see that turnaround story start to play out before you, you jump in uh, management have come out today and listed numerous uncertainties you know ranging from the China uh, child birth rate um, <laughs> to the, the you know the the lower tier cities in China no longer being in love with A2 milk and focusing on some of the more local products so these things are going to take some time to play out I don't think it's going to bounce back near as quickly and, and in that interim it seems as though other products and, and other brands have filled the, the, their gaps so to speak so uh, I levels, would be very very yeah. careful yeah. still i mean we saw the same with Blackmores not too long ago you know when you start to get a bit of traction there this is such a massive market that you know you, you start to see some really strong sales growth there the multiples go up as the market continues to extrapolate but we've also seen how fast that market how, how quickly the rug can be pulled out from underneath you here. Now, um but at the end of the day it's a commodity and um you know there's other people are able to produce this kind of stuff Uh, consumer sentiment can change very, very rapidly. So it's one of these things where is it impossible that they they turn around? Absolutely not. But even if that's the case, I think it's going to take a while. And if they don't, uh, things are going to be very difficult for a long time. So I suspect it's a value trap, but it's just too risky for me. I'm going to stay away.
0: Well, that was taken out of the portfolio a while ago. So there you go, Scotty.
1: That's why it's doing so well relative to the benchmark.
0: Just as you're talking about the fantasy portfolio. Yeah, just as we were talking about China, I happened to go onto our website and the first vid that I saw was why now is a good time to invest in China. So this is a conversation with James White from Lessop Investment Management. So in the spirit of giving a balanced view, you should go onto our website and watch that. It's up there as video on demand. That's what makes the market, Scotty? Absolutely.
1: I, I'm i am sticking to my guns here. It's uh, the, the Chinese equity market. Look at the long-term charts out there. Anyone who's a chartist as well and look at what the fundamental factors are. The Chinese equity market has gone nowhere and that speaks volumes.
0: All right. So we had that big CPI read that came through uh, today. Uh, what's going to happen tomorrow? Look, there's not a lot on the calendar in terms of Economic data, but it's a big one because we are entering into bank reporting season tomorrow with the full year coming from ANZ. Really looking forward to getting the detail on, well, always the economic view from the CEO Shane Elliott Elliot, and, of course, the economics team, but also where they see yeah, the, the housing market headed, where they see Macro Prue, and, of course, now a more live discussion about the impact of rising rates.
1: Yeah, and uh, whether there's any, we'll see what's going on with the NIM when it gets released tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But that will be very influential. If the NIM is getting pressured, uh, the pressure valve will have to come from somewhere. And I dare say the cash cow is the housing market. And uh, we have seen the going the banks uh, m- many many episodes over the last decade or so move out of a uh, cycle with the RBA. So watch this space because the cost of funding, I can promise you, is starting to increase.
0: Quarterlies are moving stocks. Right now, you know, we're in that phase. Fortescue comes out with its quarterlies. Uh, we get calls with the sale. So following on from Woolworths today, Woolworths shares got knocked around a bit off the back of that. And uh, we've got Guy DeBelle, Deputy Governor of the RBA, Michelle Bullock, Assistant Governor of Financial Systems. They are before the Senate Economics Legislation Committee. So we'll keep an ear trained to that just to see if something interesting happens. Tonight, we've got the Bank of Canada. So we're talking about a potential end to QE there and uh, again lots of hot conversation about a rate hike there as well I think that'll be an interesting one to to discuss tomorrow
1: you know it's always gonna be interesting when the governor's Tiff Macklin Tiff That's Tiff a, it's, it's a good name a, it? it's a great <laughs> name yeah. a, like a lumberjack or something
0: well isn't that just a great country anyway Scotty and uh, yeah we can now travel without asking the government to do so, not, not needing to get an exemption.
1: Yeah, I dare say, like, I'm going to miss you around, but I'm sure you're going to go and see your folks soon, or are going to come down here?
0: Well, they want to get their booster, and I understand before they travel down here. They're, they're um, older, obviously, and um, I'd, I'd love to go. And to be honest, I mean, we were chatting in the newsroom. I thought this whole year and a half, two years that we've been going through this, that the instant borders were open, I would be the first person in line to get tickets, I mean, I looked, they were very expensive to start, but I think more to the point is that ugh, for some reason I'm reticent. I just, I don't know what it is. I just feel like I'm waiting for something to happen. I don't want to get burned. I don't want to make plans and be disappointed. Like, there's just, I wonder if I'm the only person feeling like this.
1: I don't think so. I can see you on that big blue uh, Canada flight uh, out to Vancouver. <laughs> I can see you on there in the not-too-distant future. No, yeah. yeah but, uh, it's good to get uh, back to where your roots are and uh, and go and see family and friends and catch up. And uh, that's the one thing that Australians, so many of us out there, uh, know, know either have parents who were born overseas or were born overseas. And so the, the ability to go reconnect with the world physically is going to be a very, very uh, great moment. And I hope that everyone has a... Has a, has a fantastic time when they do that.
0: i got a tear in my eye, Scotty. And I'm not joking. Anyhow, um, just to do one more plug for what you can read, speaking of the reopening trade, not read, but listen to, John Milroy at Ord Minette, also available via the show notes. He says that it's not too late to get on to this reopening theme. So there yeah. you go.
1: Asked me you about cornice There's a few things that, at the moment, uh, that, a bit of tokens that could be created, but yeah, still likes the look of it.
0: Hey, Scotty, should we call it a day?
1: That's a wrap it for hump day. We'll see you for Thursday. See
0: ya.